our whole goal here is to help listeners get more satisfaction at work by having the better personal relationships we all want and communication in the workplace. Oh, good for us. And, yay. But where this gets tricky in a whole different way is when you work with your family. Have you ever done that? Oh, yes, I have. And what was that like for you? You know, it was it was great, but it was also tough. Um, my dad had a construction company. Uh-huh. I started working for him on the weekends and the summers when I think I was 12. So <coughs> labor loss, labor loss, <laughs> labor loss. Uh, and I was started off, you know, sweeping up floors and just cleaning things up, you know, unload trucks and that sort of thing. And then finally I got to where I was doing a lot of the work. It was great. It was great money. It was hard work. But being the son mm-hmm. of the boss, uh, I definitely was the butt of a lot of uh, college boy jokes as the years went along from the guys Extra who level worked. of scrutiny. Oh, yeah. And you know what? I, I knew I couldn't complain to my dad. I just wanted him to be proud. And, but the great part was I remember a few nights when my mom would come up to me, you know, after work and she'd say, you know, I was talking with your dad and he told me you worked really hard today and he's proud of you. And I was like, yes. Oh, so that's nice. So that's a level of satisfaction you'd never get from a regular boss. No, and that's what made it exactly. That's what made it special. Yeah, yeah. I think a highlight of working with your family when you're grownups, different than your scenario, is that you actually learn that, you know, your sister Monica or your sister Julie Acquired a few skills and abilities since they were 13. Yeah, I'll You bet. know, the best moments of that were when our radio show, Satellite Sisters, first uh, debuted on public radio. I remember calling my mom and saying, so, what did you think? And she said something that stuck with me forever. She said, you know, I'm just glad that you girls are friends. <laughs> From Wondery, this is I Hate My Boss, Workplace Drama, Comedic Relief. I'm Liz Dolan. And I'm Larry Seal. On today's show, we'll be answering your questions about building and navigating relationships at work, from getting off on the right foot at a new job to learning how to deal with those minor but super annoying things your coworkers do. <laughs> Our first question comes to us from Too Shy in Bedsty, who's concerned about making friends at his new job. He writes, Hi, Liz and Larry. I've been looking for a new job for a while, and I was just hired by an amazing company with a great growth path. That's so great. The problem? They're located on the other side of the country, and I don't know anyone in the city where I'll soon be living. As a somewhat shy and introverted person, I've always had trouble opening up with my coworkers, and I'm nervous about moving somewhere where I won't know anyone, even if it's a 100% great move for my career. So, what's the best way for me to make friends in my new office. Mm -hmm. Now, Liz, you've done this a bunch in your career, so I'm sure you've got some thoughts about this. Yeah, you know, too shy listening to this. It brought me back to my very first day at Nike. I'd been living in New York City, and I moved to Portland, Oregon, where I had, like, only been once in my life, and that was to interview Interview, for the job. sure, yeah, right. So moving across the country, I show up my first day, and I'm like, okay, I'm here, and it's like no one seemed to be expecting me at all. And I was (laughs) like, okay, where do you want me to go? And they brought me into this warehouse, and a whole bunch of shoeboxes. Literally, Literally. Yeah, a lot of shoes and shoeboxes. Sure. And and the woman who was showing me around sort of gestured to an empty spot on the cement floor. And she said, uh, this is you. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. so the, um, the empty space. <laughs> so I said, so I just like scare up my own desk and chair and phone and stuff. And she said, yeah, just go find what you need. And I'm like, okay. And um, you're supposed to be oh putting me up for the first 
month while I find an apartment. So where am I, where do you want me to sleep tonight? She disappeared for about five minutes. She came back. She, I swear to God, she had a phone number written on a piece of paper. She said, this is the motel down the street. You should probably call there. So that was the entire. That was it. So, so too shy. That was the entire relocation oh, and or, employee orientation uh, program when I arrived there. However, I had the same sort of excitement about that job that you show in your letter where you know it's going to be a 100% great move. Uh, You say it's an amazing company and a great growth path. That's the way I felt about going to work there, too. So what I would say is there's going to be some feelings of dislocation, some testing. In my case, I called it the hazing process. And I think it was sort of a purposeful hazing, sort of a Darwinian weeding out of the people that just could not hack figuring it all out yourself. Because if you needed someone to tell you what to do, you were at the wrong company. But have the confidence that you picked what you call an amazing company, and they picked you for a reason. So don't be in too much of a hurry to get everything sorted out. It took me a long time to like make friends or even I was starting a small department that didn't exist before. So I didn't even have like a set of colleagues. I didn't have a staff meeting to go to. I didn't have anything. I was just sitting alone in my cement slab trying to figure out what I should do. So I would say be patient, but also understand that people are busy and maybe not as sensitive to the new guy as they should be. So fight the urge to like close up and get really anxious because you just need to like raise your hand and put yourself in front of them occasionally. And I think just the guy to teach you how to do that is Larry Seal. (laughs) (laughs) I've moved to new cities for jobs a number of times myself. And I am an extrovert, but I get nervous too. We all do. We all do. Yeah. So being an introvert, I'm sure, feels harder in some ways, but we all feel that way. So you're in good company. I would go find the last person who was the newest person, and I would go tap into them and go, what did you do in your first couple of months? How did you get to know people? Where are the cool places? Because if anybody can relate to you, they can relate to you. That's diabolically clever, yes. And hopefully they were also diabolically clever, so they're connected to the next, next new person. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you got a little new person group. Mm -hmm. Now, some companies do a great job of onboarding people, and they're really thoughtful Yeah, I've never been at one of those. Never (laughs) once in my whole career. There is nothing wrong with saying, hey, look, I'm new. Where are the great pizza places? Where are the great parks to go for a jog? Because as soon as you start to find people who like what you like, whether it's indoors or outdoors, Mm -hmm. you're going to start to be connected. And frankly, people like to be helpful. So just asking, hey, where do you do this? And where do you do that? Where's a great place to go? By the way, people will probably get the hint and the more insightful of them will go, oh gosh, Larry's lonely. Would you like to join us for lunch? Would you like to come along to dinner? Yes, yes, I would. I think Um, that's really good advice. People do like giving advice. They do. And you're in the ideal situation to ask for it because you're new. So you don't even need to be embarrassed about not knowing. Like A year from now, you're not going to be able to ask the same kinds of questions. Well, and even going out to dinner, find a place near your apartment, find a nice little restaurant you like, become a regular, and then tell people like, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm new. Where do you go for this? Where do you go for that? You'll meet people in a big, big, big hurry. And the other trick, and I've never actually used this trick, but I've had plenty of friends who've done it. If you got a dog, you're going to make friends. (laughs) Now, that may be tough in a big city like New York, 
work. Yeah. But but people who have dogs, they go out, they walk them, they meet other dog people, everybody's sniffing everybody else, and all of a sudden That is super buddies. true. When I first moved to Santa Monica all by myself, they, everyone else in my building had a dog. There you go. So I went they out and got one. Half of them don't <laughs> like dogs. I guarantee you. Half of them don't even like them. They just need them for company. So uh, good luck, bed This sounds super exciting, and I bet you're going to love the whole experience. It is fun to go to a new place it and really start is. something entirely new. But it takes courage, so good for you. Our next question comes to us from Alice. She's worried about a coworker who apparently has it out for her. No. Alice writes, I love my job. It is by far the best job I have ever had, but I'm having trouble with a coworker. They are just generally an unpleasant person. <laughs> but recently, this has become a real problem. They've made it known to a coworker that they, quote, can't stand me, and, quote, need to put me in my place. We've always been professional to each other, though never friendly. However, this knowledge is making it hard for me to go to work because we work together daily in close contact. I'd go to HR, but we don't have one, right? That's right. common. Go to HR, but we don't have one. They're just our higher-ups. And my coworker has been there 10-plus years, while I've only been there eight months. Mm. I feel like I can't win that fight. My other coworkers have said not to take it personally, but I do because, in this case, it is personal. Do I go to my bosses and ask them to reassign me literally anywhere else, or do I stick it out? Okay. So, Alice, I think you're actually getting some good counsel from your colleagues who are saying don't take it personally. It is about you, but you don't have to take it personally. I guarantee you, you've run into plenty of people who didn't love you along the way, whether you knew it or not. What? Yeah. I mean, Liz, <laughs> even you, even me. And the thing is, you don't have to take that on. You know, your your instincts are, should I take it on? Should I go complain about it? Or should I leave? You should do none of those things. Mm -hmm. Be pleasant. Do your job. Ask them questions. Ask them for advice. You've been there eight months. They've been there 10 years. The dynamic that's happening is that probably they feel anxious. They feel threatened in some way by this new person who's coming in. Maybe you're asking questions or challenging things that they had a hand in and they're feeling a little defensive. I don't know, Larry. You're going down the win them over path. I, I would not recommend that. I'm in the do your job and be friendly. Let six months go by and I'll bet you this fades if you don't give them anything to latch on to mm -hmm. and kind of fight with. that That's how I'd approach it. Now, you've got a different take. I do, just slightly different because sometimes you're just not going to get along with the coworker and nothing you can do will change that. So I buy that. I agree with half of what Larry said, but the win them over strategy, I would say do not... <laughs> Do not waste your time. The other thing you should not do, going up the chain is not productive. No. And here I'm going to answer as a boss, not as someone who loves you, Alice, but just as a boss. <laughs> I can tell you there's nothing worse than refereeing, feuding colleagues. Oh, my God. No. Any boss, like, hates doing this. Right. And asking for an assignment that is, quote, literally anywhere else well, that communicates to your bosses that this is totally a personal problem, not a professional one. Right. So, and she said she loves her job. Yeah. Don't yeah. do that. So as a boss, I'd say grow up, suck it up, and be professional. Also, as a 
person, not a boss. I'd say more often than not, the coworker who's unpleasant to you is also unpleasant to other people. So it doesn't really affect what other people think of you. You have to really think about the broad range of colleagues that you work with. Worry about behavior that knocks you off your game. If you start to do things that, or, or this other person is undermining your confidence and hence your performance, that's not good. I hate to go back to my mantra, Alice, but you may need to hear this again. You may even need to tattoo this on the inside of your wrist as a handy reminder. <clears throat> Hashtag strong, calm, kind, Alice. This person may be out to get you, but you don't have to let them be successful. People often make things worse by feeling like they've got to go do something, which is in a yeah, way. Yeah, like, right. You don't have to buy into this. Let it go. It doesn't matter if they supposedly don't like you. Do your job. Enjoy your job. And don't worry about what they think about you. And guess what? You probably end up in a really good place. Yeah. You just need to relax. Yeah. It's hard not to take it personally. It is. I totally understand. But it, it's about you, but it doesn't have to be you. This too shall pass. Yeah, put that on the other wrist. <laughs> How many wrists do you actually yeah. have, Alice? We got a million of them. Before we get back to your questions, we have a quick favor to ask you all. We're working on an episode about Slack, email, and social media etiquette at the office. And we want your questions about all that tech. If you've ever sat in agony as you've tried to write a super important work (laughs) email, or you've asked yourself, what does this mean? When your boss slacks you a bunch of dog emojis at two in the morning, (laughs) we want to hear about it. We really love it when we get your questions and stories on our voicemail. The number is 424-224-5711. If you couldn't write it down just now, don't worry about it. That number is in our episode notes. And you can also reach us by sending us an email at IHateMyBoss at Wondery. All right. And now we have a question from Manager Troubles, whose department is being brought down by a single employee. It's always a single employee. It's always the one. I want to start by saying I love my job. Good. However, I'm not particularly great at, quote, managing people. So far, I've done fairly well managing my small group until now. We hired Linda a year ago, and I've done everything I can to get along with her. She's a lot older than me, and she has quite a few years of experience in our field. But despite my title and degree, she feels the need to challenge me, contradict me, and put me down in front of coworkers and customers. Yeah, that is rough. And as bad as she is about acting superior to me, she's far worse to my coworkers who are younger than I am. Needless to say, Linda is not liked by anyone in her department, and it seems to get worse by the day. To make matters worse, Linda makes a lot of mistakes. When I've corrected her or offer advice or help, she gets super defensive and tries to lay the blame on anyone and anything else. I've had many conversations with her about her mistakes and what it means to be a team player, but nothing's changed, and now I don't know what to do. As a last note... Linda is part of a union, so I can't just fire her. I've written her up multiple times, but the process of firing a union member is long, and I don't know how much longer I can put up with her poisoning of our group. This sounds like you have inherited someone that other managers have failed to deal with for a long time. So don't blame yourself by saying you're not particularly great at it. Larry's going to help you with that. Here's what I want to say. Follow your instincts about what action is correct for your department and the performance of your department. So in order to do that, number one, make sure you have the support of your boss, that your boss understands 
the performance issues around Linda. So you make a great point there. She didn't talk about, hey, and I talked to my boss about it. They yeah. they shared my concerns or that sort of thing. So I think that's a, it's, that's a really great point. Yeah, because you're saying uh, she's part of a union and so it's a long process. Right. But if she's a very low performing employee, then that's what the process is there for that too. It's a long process, but number one, recruit the support of your boss if yeah, you're going to sure. start a long union process. Number two, make sure you understand the union regs, and I'm sure there are plenty of people around your organization that can help you understand what the steps are, what the uh, standards are. So, yeah, kind of what the progressive discipline yeah. steps look like. You know, more than anything else, try to stick to the standards and stay away from the personal stuff, even in how you react Yeah, we don't her. like them, and she's condescending. And then the third part is really documenting the impact of her mistakes, the actual implications long-term for the business. And these are really hard things to do. And like if you to, to get rid of someone who is underperforming. And it's, you know what, union or no union, in my experience, it's always a long, slow process. And yep. in a way, kind of deserves to be because people shouldn't be able to just capriciously get rid of people, especially if she's been there a long time. Yeah, you bet. However, there's a process. So you're going to have to suck it up and follow it. There's a process. You've got to follow it. Yes, they're long. Yes, they involve steps. But unions get rid of people. That's why having the support of your boss is so key. So critical. Don't start anything else till you do that. Right. And so, you know, and, and that conversation, I was actually, in, I was thinking in my head, how would you have that conversation when you went to your boss, right? To be like, what's your take on Linda's performance? What are you noticing with her? What really stands out that she does particularly well? Is there anything that concerns you? I might ask those open questions first and see where they are. And then that can help guide you and be able to say, look, I agree with you here. I agree with you here. And I'm seeing this and this. Really? That's interesting. That you yeah. would be so open-ended about it. I always want to make sure that as a manager, make sure you've had those conversations with her well, right? Because some people would say, well, you know, Linda, we need you to be part of the team and there's no I in team. So you're on board with everybody, right? Yeah, so that's just not specific. That's enough. not feedback. Mm-hmm. That's like quoting something out of some crazy Disney sports movie. That's or the something. poster in the break room. Totally. Exactly. <laughs> that's the poster in the break room. Exactly. So to be able to sit down and say, hey, look, here's what I see you do really well. Here's what you bring to the table that's super valuable. But here's some things I've got some concerns about. I feel like you make comments out loud about me, about other people, and you may or may not be aware, but I want to be direct with you. It's offensive to people. Mm -hmm. It's offensive to me, and it actually is impacting other people. I'm pretty sure you don't mean this. Hopefully you can say that with a straight face. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you don't mean that. At least it gives them an out. I'm pretty sure you don't mean to do this, but this is the impact it's having. And I'd love that to shift Mm -hmm. because I'd like to continue working together. You bring some great experience. Yeah. I think that's how you have that conversation. Because a lot of times people will say, I've had the conversation, but when they talk about it, it's not specific. It's not clear. The implications aren't really there. They get nervous. Yeah, and also there's something super hard here about the age difference. I like that is a very, very hard thing to deal with. On a way early episode of I Hate My Boss, I confessed that I think back now and shudder of um, some management decisions I made in my 20s regarding an employee who was 20 or 25 years older than me that I was really not fair to that person. I didn't care what they had to say at all. So it doesn't sound like this is you feeling that way. This is more like the employee is feeling that way, that the age difference between you and her is really getting her goat. 
that's a hard thing to deal with. It is. And some people feel really defensive about that. Yeah. You can have some empathy in your heart for that. Sure, can, sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's, that's but a little it's, bit this spooky. is where I think you're right, that having the straight up conversation and putting things on the table directly is the best course of action. Yeah. Because you can't just keep pretending that it's not happening. No, and you don't want to sit there and get frustrated. And if she reacts poorly and is like, I'm not doing that, or, you know, everybody else's fault, then you know, great, you have a problem, and you start walking down those steps, and you get her out of there. Yeah, that's why understanding exactly what the steps are before you even have that first conversation is going to be important because you're now laying the groundwork for a process that is really not under your control. Good luck with that. It's really a hard it one. It is. Good luck with that. Now we've got a question from Lana, who has a couple of questions about moving on to greener fields. So Lana writes, I've been with my employer for 12 years, and it was fine until five years ago when new leadership came into the organization and my role kept ending up in a dead end. I decided to look for a new job, and after a year of searching, I was lucky enough to find a position which I think will be a great fit. The people at the new job seem great, and it's much closer to home for more money. Win-win. Yes, it is. So I have two questions for you. Management has asked for an exit interview to go over the reasons that I'm leaving. I'm nervous about the meeting because I'm going to a competitor, and I've been told that our management has had other people's offers rescinded in order not to lose staff. I'm not under any sort of non-compete clause, so I'm not sure if this is an urban legend or something they're actually capable of doing. A coworker suggested I not even meet with them. Question two, I really want this new job to work out well, and I'm coming in at a mid-level management position within IT, and I want to make the best impression since ultimately I want to advance my career into a more senior position over the next few years. Any advice for new employees? So, Liz, you want to maybe you take well, on one Well, take question here? one. Yeah. And you can, okay. So, question one. First of all, Lana, congratulations on your job offer. That's great. I love hearing the story that you felt like you were dead ending and, you know, you gave it some time and then you started your search. So, I like that. But an exit interview is 100% routine. I wouldn't be afraid of that. Be positive about what you've learned and constructive about what you might change. But let's be clear, in an exit interview, there is absolutely no benefit to you being overly frank or direct. Do you agree, Larry? I, like, I do. None. Be constructive. Yeah. Be yeah. honest, but No, boy. just, I know that that HR people want you to really be detailed and thoughtful. I like, there's no upside for you. So just, just be nice and be grateful and be constructive. Don't burn bridges. Exactly, exactly. And as far as your current management having the power to get your future management to rescind a job offer, I cannot imagine that. That does sound like an urban legend to me. Why would your new management give that kind of influence to a competitor? Right. You know, unless you're being fired for cause. Right. And they disclose that. But sure. clearly you're not being fired for cause. You're moving on. Yeah, like you Wells have, Fargo's not going to be influenced by Bank of America yeah. to not hire you somebody. You have a legitimate, obviously it's a real offer. Your coworker has put something in your head that yeah. I, think you're, I think you're overthinking. Just go to the interview, be polite, collect your last paycheck, and move on to your new life. So now, how does she start in the new job? First impressions count. That's why I'd say first impressions count. It's an old, it's mm -hmm. an old saying and it's incredibly true. They do. So that first time you meet people, 
that first week that you spend with people, they are deciding who you are and what you're about. And I, as you know, Liz, I work with a ton of people and they move jobs. Mm -hmm. And we focus like crazy on you are going to be creating a new brand here, whether you know it or not. Mm -hmm. So you better do it on purpose. How do you want to be seen? How do you want to be known? What do you want people to get from you? you so can, do you actually go through like a brand you exercise with people? Absolutely. That's interesting. Think about it. We've seen a million people come into work. The bad people who join up, right, and the ones you kind of hate in the first two weeks, what do they do? They talk about what they did at their old job too Let much. me tell you about my old job. Yeah, yeah. Let me yeah. tell you about how great we were. <laughs> Let me tell you. Oh, you Here's know what? how we did it. We had blah, such blah. a better process for that. Yeah. Okay, hint number one, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. And on the other side, the people who came in and did it well, they don't pretend like they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. They listen a ton. They ask a ton of questions. Yes, yes. They look to understand why you do the things you do. They may immediately start looking at things and going, I'm going to change this and I'm going to change that. But they are smart enough not to say it because they're looking to deeply understand maybe there's reasons they do things this way. They're mm-hmm. looking to be humble. They're relaxed. And they know to be excited because they want you. Yes, they right. hired you. They picked Chill you. Out. Sometimes I think people are afraid to follow that kind of advice, Larry, because they think they've been hired to come in with all the answers, right? Uh, you are and absolutely right. that's a big right. mistake. So I, I think short and sweet here, when you come into a new job, go to school. Don't try and teach. Snappy, Larry. Hey now. Our next question comes to us from Maddie, who's still feeling confused after her boss, who she felt close to, fired her for seemingly no reason. Oh. So Maddie writes, Hi, Liz and Larry. I absolutely love the show. I listen every week. Last year, I quit my first job out of college and took what I thought was my dream job. I loved the work, and I also really connected with my boss. We had lunch together most days. He told me a lot about his personal life, and I reciprocated. It really felt like we had become close friends. Then, after seven months, I was fired. My only performance review was extremely positive, and I had even received a raise. Hmm. But about a week before I was let go, my boss pulled me in to discuss that he wasn't happy with a few things. We were in the middle of a stressful, month-long live event, and I know I didn't handle some of his criticism particularly Mm. well. I got a little emotional and brought up some issues I had with him as my backup. But I was planning on revisiting the issue once the event was over. And I changed my behavior to fix the things he'd brought up. But when I was fired, I was given the it's time to part ways line. And they said they would provide me a good reference. I later reached out to my boss and said I needed to know what to tell potential employers on why I was let go. I wasn't given an answer. I was just told that he would provide a positive reference. Fortunately, I've moved on to a new job where I'm very happy. But I still think about this experience and don't know where it came from. Okay, well... In retrospect, I'm sure she and we are not surprised, Mm. right, because she had that bad reaction to the feedback. Look, things are great when they're easy and they're fun. Yeah. And you're sharing and you're being intimate and you're doing great work together. And then all of a sudden, times are tough. Everybody's stressed out. Nobody's at their best. Mm -hmm. And you get feedback. How you handle that? (sighs) 
redefines the relationship, right? Yeah, it redefines. And if you, in your own words, quote, didn't handle some of the criticism particularly well, sounds like you were defensive and sounds like you turned it around a little bit. Got emotional. Clearly, it ruptured the trust Mm -hmm. for the manager. I mean, frankly, that would happen with anybody. It would break the trust. And then people want to back away from that because they don't want to have any real connection with you where there's going to be friction, right? Where there's going to be some push and pull. And well, Liz, what do you think about that? No, I actually think something different. If I fear like you're going to blow up, I don't want any piece of that. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, in the case of a manager, they just said, that's it. I, I don't want to work with this person. And out she went. Yeah. You know, episode seven, Larry, was the one where you gave a lot of really good advice on how to take feedback. And I just think it's one of the fundamental things people need to learn. And I'm sorry, Maddie, that you're learning it the hard way. Yeah. Um, I would also point out that you write that in the bad moment, you brought up issues you had with him. <laughs> okay, Maddie, you don't get a turn. Okay, that's a hard way to learn that lesson, but that's the difference between being the boss and being you. This is yeah. not your boyfriend. This, yeah. this is not oh, a yeah. member of your family. And I remember the other night yeah. when you... <laughs> no, and so I don't mean to like take it lightly what's happened to you, no. but your boss is giving you feedback. You don't then turn the tables and say, okay, now, boss, here's what I think about you. Sorry, work does not work that way. No. And I think it's because you had this super friendly relationship with your boss that you thought you could take that license. So it's really shocking when your friend becomes big bad boss. But you know what? He's big bad boss first and friend second. And in this moment, you were emotional. You were surprised and sound like really stressed out anyway. You just forgot. Yeah, big mistake. Because you had shared a lot of personal information with each other. So it does sort of, you, you convince yourself that you're on a different level with each other. But crunch time in a professional situation You're not. This is one of the paradoxes of the workplace. Do you want to be friends and friendly? You bet you do. But boy, there comes a line when that will really not serve you well. The good news is I think this is what your second or third job out of school now. You're learning this lesson at a really great time. I know it's painful and Mm -hmm. you're thinking about it, but you're thinking about it because you're smart and you recognize, gosh, there was something there that I didn't handle that well. You're not going to fall into that trap yeah. again. Yeah. So very glad to hear that you have a new job where you're very happy, Maddie. Yep. Sorry you had to go through this experience, but it sounds like you're learning from it, which is a good thing. And go back and listen to episode seven. We got some good <laughs> stuff there. All right. And now we've got a question from Museum Anonymous, who wants some guidance on how to deal with an employee she inherited. So she says, I just started a new job three months ago at a small museum at a university. It's a managerial position, and I inherited two staff members who I'm now in charge of. Although I've been in the field for over 15 years, this is my first time as a manager. We also have a new director for the museum who started just two weeks ago, and he's asking everyone to meet with him privately to discuss our positions and our team. My issue is that one of the workers I inherited, who's been here for six years, is a poor performer. She's immature. She complains when I ask her to do tasks. And then when she does, she procrastinates. I also think she's too comfortable here. She tells me all the time how she loves it here, probably because we have a large snacking culture. And people talk all the time about how nice it is to work here and how everyone is family. Now, this might be a millennial thing, but she also thinks she knows 
everything, even when she doesn't, and it drives me crazy. She's been trained on the job, but not to professional standards. She does not have a master's degree, which is required to advance in our field. I know that when she meets with the new director, she will advocate for herself to get a new title and a raise. However, I feel quite the opposite. I'd like to let her go and get a new hire. So... Do I adjust my attitude, work with her, train her in the proper way, and micromanage her more and overlook the procrastination and complaining, which is more work for me and frustrating, but probably the nice thing to do? Or do I say to the new director, she's a poor performer and I want her out? Well, first, I'm very curious about what a large snacking culture is, <laughs> because you say you work at a museum. So I'm imagining like the Museum of Potato Chips or something. <laughs> But I think I know what you mean. People sort of hang out and socialize. Casual, right? Yes. I think you have framed up your choices incorrectly. You need to lay out what your professional standards are to this employee, no matter what the outcome. Yeah. Like you, you can't decide yet unless you have communicated to her, you know, and Larry, you were just saying that people are often not as clear as they think they are. So maybe you think you have. Make sure you have. Just make sure you have. Yeah, yeah. So because really, if she is someone who has been, as you say, trained on the job, but not to professional standards, okay, boss, this is your job to train her to professional standards. Now, you are allowed three months from now, six months from now, whatever, to say she's not meeting the standards. That's right. But not until you really lay that out. The other thing I would do is just the way you even refer to your own management tasks is a little bit of a red flag for me that you could micromanage her more oh, I noticed and that. overlook the procrastination and complaining. That's not what management means. No. I'm, I'm not asking you to micromanage her more or overlook her performance flaws. It does seem like her thinking's a little too black and white, this yeah. or that, doesn't it? Yeah. I, you know, I think it's sort of, is this a personal problem or a performance problem? Right. It's a it's a little bit of both. But she's a first time she's a first time manager, so mm-hmm. this is this is hard stuff to navigate. Mm-hmm. And inheriting staff members is always hard. It may simply be in uh, anonymous and how you're communicating this to us, but they're immature, they're a complainer, they're poor performer. You can't use any of yeah, that. Yeah, those when are you not professional standards. Right. Yeah. As it's an, what drives you crazy, though. I know. Yep. Believe me, I know. But it's you can't fire someone for that. Yeah. Sadly. So, so the point being, hey, here's what I see you doing. Here's what the standards really look for for doing that kind of thing well. You're doing this and you're doing this, but you also need to do this and this. So basically, what you're doing is you're laying out exactly exactly clearly what the gap is between what they're doing and what you think those standards are. Now, once you've done that really clearly and you've watched them and you've given them a little bit of feedback, then as Liz said, after three or four months, if they're still not getting there, now you've got an issue. But until you've done that, you you really haven't and they've clearly gotten under your skin. Yeah. And one more thing I'd say about your meeting with the new director, you expect that she will advocate for herself and you want to tell the new director that you want to let her go and have a new hire. It feels to me like you're not there yet. I think the conversation you need to have with the new director is, I have a performance issue with this person. Here are the one, two, three steps I am taking over the one, two, three months coming up. Yeah. So you are showing the new director 
that you are managing. A professional a, manager, yeah. A performance yeah. issue. And it sort of goes back to the question you just answered, Larry, about you come in, you want to make a lot of changes quickly. So I'm not telling you you shouldn't make that or that this person shouldn't go in three months. That's right. I just think you have a chance to prove to your boss also what your managerial standards are. So laying out a process of training and improvement, I think that might be a better way to impress your boss instead of the off-with-her-head scenario. All right, Anonymous, we wish you the best of luck, and I'm interested to know what kind of museum you really work in. (laughs) We're very pro-snacking. I hope you can sense that about us. (laughs) Finally, we have our last question from Al, who's annoyed with some of his coworkers. Al writes in, I've been working for the same agency for the past two-plus years, and the whole time I've been here, two of my coworkers at the same level as me consistently go on long lunch breaks on days when our boss is not in the office. By long lunch breaks, I'm talking about two, three-plus hours. Nice. I come in early and leave early because of my flex time agreement, and there are times when I've already left and they still aren't back. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's That's hour. an extended lunch. It seems like it's no secret that they're doing this either, but they've never gotten in trouble for it, and they continue to do it. I know for a fact that they go for beer at this time. <laughs> nice. I know this because I went with them one time. One time. When I was over hours for the week. There have been times that their actions have delayed my work and required me to do all the work when working on the project with these individuals. So my question is, do I just keep my nose down and mind my own business and make sure I look my best? Do I ask our direct manager about it? I don't want to be the narc, especially since it's well known they are leaving the office for so long. Should Al narc on the slacker, beer drinking coworker? You you may have telegraphed your answer there. Liz. I just wanted to use the word narc again. That's of course. all. Because I haven't done that since high school. I was going to say I haven't used the word narc since like 1977. So don't that's you fantastic. miss it though? It's I a good one. It. I think uh, there's there's a couple of nuances here. It is very fair to have concerns about people not doing their job or delaying doing their job and that having implications downstream on you and others. It's a fair thing to bring up. But you note in here twice, it's highly unlikely that this other people don't see this. Yeah. The bosses see this. And I, I mean, I hate to say it, but some workplaces let people for all kinds of reasons. Just run roughshod over the away. rules. Yeah. yeah. They let them get away with things that seem kind of mind boggling. Mm-hmm. And for you to be Don Quixote that decides to go charge at windmills here and take on the world and do what's right and accountable and responsible probably is going to leave you out in the wash. Having said that. It is legitimate to bring up the concerns as it's impacting the work you have to do. I mean, I hate to say this because it it sounds a little bit like a don't take responsibility, and I don't mean it that way. But there are some things that you just have to keep your eyes on your own paper, Al, and don't be the narc here. Unless your bosses are idiots, they see what's going on, and they're very likely letting it go. This, sadly, is one of the reasons that people move on to other companies, Mm -hmm. because the culture feels antithetical to how I like to work. And Al clearly likes to be accountable and responsible. He tracks his hours. He's really diligent. He probably needs to find a company culture that's more like that. He'll feel a lot more at home, and he'll probably excel. Yeah, Al, I feel like... Your boss probably knows all of this already. Maybe not about the beer, uh, but maybe even the beer too. So complaining to a bad manager, i.e. your boss, is not going to change them into a good manager. No. If they haven't addressed this, you're bringing it to their attention. I just don't think 
that that's going to help. I wish, you know, and we've had questions along this line before. I wish we had a different way of dealing with this. But when a problem is being ignored by management, going to management and complaining about it rarely is a solution for you. So I don't know, maybe start a rumor that they're having an affair. <laughs> nice. No, that is not what I'm actually suggesting, Al. I'm with Larry. Keep your eyes on your own paper. Don't be an affair narc, Fo- Al. Focus, focus on your own performance. Do the uh, best you can. You can be annoyed, Al, but don't be narc, Al. Mm-hmm. If you missed anything from today's show, don't forget that you can just tap the cover art to get all the notes for this episode. You'll also find our phone number and some great offers from our sponsors. To check those out and support our show, you can go to Casper.com, BlueApron.com, ZipRecruiter.com, and Audible.com. Larry slash boss. This episode was hosted by me, Larry Seal, CEO and founder of Engage Leadership, and Liz Dolan, boss emeritus and satellite sister. The original theme song was composed by Martin Blanco. Audio engineering by Misha Stanton and Ravi Carmen. Special consultant, Julia Smith, produced by Cameron Kell. Executive producer, Jeffrey Glazer, created and executive produced by Hernan Lopez for Wondery. Remember, workplaces can feel crazy. But you don't have to. Thank you.